In Arkham Horror, the card game, player cards that are released with no apparent deck in mind are considered especially hard to use. In Arkham, Massachusetts, the dedicated detectives who investigate these unusual cards are members of a podcast known as Miskatonic University Radio. These are the Binder Trials. Mr. Pop. Dark. And the little birds are nasty, and I listen to them too. There's two lonesome people in the whole wide world. That's me and the man in the moon. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Miskatonic University Radio, the podcast exploring fantasy flight games, Arkham Horror, the card game. I'm Dane. I'm Dan. And I'm Ben. And today, court is in session. This episode, we're going to be analyzing some celebrated community favorites, uh, and by favorites, I mean cards, and some lesser known gems and ask, does this card belong behind bars? And what I mean by behind bars, I mean in your binder and never to be seen by the light of day. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the idea is that, you know, the uh, the, the Arkham Horror uh, discourse sphere, just like any discourse sphere, um, really revolves around kind of a, a, a take economy, right? Where uh, people have opinions about things, and when these opinions come into contact, there's friction, it produces heat and light. That's that's That, that produces content that people like. So... Uh, our, our idea was let's look at some cards where uh, you know either we sort of disagree with what what our sense of the kind of uh, you know general conventional wisdom is on how good or bad these cards are, uh, or where we kind of disagree internally between the three of us. And uh, let's just try to settle these these questions, right? Let's try to decide once or for all for each of these cards, like should it be banished to the binder jail forever, or uh, is it possibly the best card in the game? Is it a perfect card that we love? So that's that's kind of what we're trying to do. And obviously, and there's no in between. Indisputable decision here. This is the final right. call on these cards. Right? Yeah, there, none, of, none of this kind of uh, you know hand wavy, indecisive. Like, well, it's kind of good sometimes. Like, none of that. It's either uh, belongs straight, belongs in the binder forever, uh, or it's uh, if you don't play this card, you're crazy. So that's that's right. that's kind of what we're going for. Right. And I'm glad you mentioned binder jail, Dan, because I have in fact. Oh, wow. Binder jail right here underneath <laughs> this very, very discerning uh, magnifying glass. People, uh, people, folks, listening, yeah. people listening to uh, the audio podcast can't see this, but uh, Dane <laughs> has an actual box that is binder jail. And uh, he's I guess he's going to put some cards in there. Is so... that a cardboard box that is decorated to look like a filing cabinet? Is that what? Yes. This, this <laughs> may or may not have accidentally been taken from an Airbnb I once stayed at. I feel like we could have. Wow, that's oof, don't don't confess to that, Dane. I feel like, or else you'll be in binder. I didn't. Uh, I didn't. I didn't, uh, I didn't say. I, I mean, I feel like the actions of individual members of this talking universe do not represent the whole. Yeah, exactly. Universe. We are not accomplices in this. Hey, I want listen. to make that very clear. If any crimes were committed by anyone in the course of preparing this prop thing. Uh, certainly only the people directly responsible can be legally prosecuted for it. You know, if we'd had even more time to put together this whole prop thing, we could have gone full on prop comedy. We could have like gotten a bunch of watermelons and like, if we didn't like a card, stuck the card into the watermelon and then hit it with a hammer. Like, you know, that I'm just saying like that we could have, there's a lot of different directions we could have gone in with this. It's, it's not bad. And this, this is the small dossier that I have of actual cards that we're going to be looking at today. Um, and uh, Ben, 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, these are these are the cards that we're going to be looking at. Um, if if they do pass, uh, for listeners out there, uh, the the cards will be going into the nice, comfy, uh, revised corset box alongside the uh, pre-made decks that were there, and as well as some of the nice new art for the uh, counter cards. And if they are, uh, they're not going to be passing, and they're complete trash. They're going to be going directly into to a, a card card jail. Finder jail forever. Finder jail. There uh, we go. Ben, as the as the only one of the three of us who's currently kind of floating above the goof zone instead of uh, wallowing in it, can you uh, do you want to lead us directly into the first of the cards we're gonna pass judgment on? Yeah, last thing I was gonna note is we're gonna give ourselves about six minutes for each one of these cards, which isn't enough time to make a final call on anything in life, really. So yeah, that's all, that's all we need. Uh, so I will, uh, and of course, me reading the card is gonna qu- count against that time. So. Uh, <laughs> Better read fast. So first up, uh, we have a classic card from Dunwich, uh, Lightning Gun. This is a six-cost, level five guardian asset with an intellect and combat icon on it. It's an item weapon firearm. It has uses three ammo. And action, spend one ammo, fight. You get plus five combat for this attack. This attack deals plus two damage, and it takes up two hand slots. The I, I feel like this is the original card that people got mad at us. I don't even remember when we talked about it or what we said about it, but for some reason, like uh, a lot of the comments that we got on Reddit and other things were all people being like, oh yeah, I tried listening to their podcast once and they said Lightning Gun sucked. And that was when I knew that they were bad and I shouldn't listen to them anymore. Subscribed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, this was this was during when we were like kind of reviewing cards in the Forgotten Age, right? That, that should, To kind of give a, a idea of when we were doing I, this. I mean, there's never been an official review by MVR of this card because you, we didn't, you guys didn't start until the Forgotten Age, yeah. right? So I, I assume you brought it up, maybe comparing it to other guns from Forgotten Age or something. I, I don't remember. This well, was like two maybe. or three years ago, before the the before times, before the pandemic. So, I I think it might also be that we. I mean, more recently, I don't see people talking about this card as much. I feel like when Flamethrower came out, people just anyone who was playing Lightning Gun kind of switched over to Flamethrower. Uh, which is also overrated, uh, and so I, I don't see people. I don't see people talking about lightning gun that much these days. But I mean, I think people maybe still think it's better than we think it is. Do we think? Yeah. One one thing to mention is that I, it did did it, didn't it get tabooed or did it not? Lightning, I thought it was tabooed uh, up to six. Or maybe no. I'm thinking of lightning. I'm, I'm thinking no. of uh, plant there. Yeah. No. Well, the so, so, so because we only have a limited amount of time, I mean, I think the case against lightning gun is. It's very expensive. It takes up both your hand slots. You only get three shots. And doing a lot of damage is great. But, uh, I mean, first off, three damage is a lot. But, like, these days there's a lot of weapons you can do that much with. Like, for example, the hammer. Um, And it, uh, you know, like, a lot of times you don't need to do three damage. You need to kind of just, like, do two damage to kill a little guy or something. Like, it's just all of your eggs are in this one basket. And the basket is very expensive and you have to hold it with both hands. Right? Right. Right. Exactly. The thing about this is that... Uh, uh, too is that like kind of enemies all, they they can come in three health and they are very annoying once once you get to them um, but usually you're dealing with like those smaller enemies like Dan was saying like and you don't want to use this on rats right. or you're dealing with like a five or six health enemy and sure like this plus vicious blow could do that but also like you you just hammer <laughs> now blow. now if you're if you really really need that plus five combat because you're playing like expert or something uh then i mean sure but like there's other weapons that give you fairly big bonuses you can always put things like uh you can play things that statically boost your your combat you can just commit a lot of cards like there's a lot of other ways to get your combat up that are give you more options and more flexibility than this card 
Yeah. Yeah, 3MO is a little rough. When it came out, I think the argument was that it was like this versus shotgun, right? Um, and shotgun had less ammo than this. Which is also overrated. Um, and I, and I think that, I think part of what's cool about it is like just the name lightning gun, like immediately it sounds cool. Like I, I agree. That is just a cool sounding thing. The art of it is pretty cool. Um, and it just looks kind of, it just looks neat. I definitely agree with all that. Um, I think people also used to do like sleight of hand combo with it in like a Larry Anderson or something, which is like a, that's like a fun interaction. I wouldn't say it's like great, but it's definitely kind of fun. Yeah, it's obviously in tabooed. Uh, I mean, there were ways to support lightning gun, like when Dunwich came out. Like, uh, you could run extra extra ammunition. Zoe could potentially have enough money to actually play it. Uh, so, like, there were ways to refill it, and you but you did want to protect it from you know getting crypt chilled or whatever too, because that would be a bad time. Um, yeah. Or straight jacketed. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So those are early oh, cards. Yeah. Dendromorphosis. Um, yeah, I guess the I guess the question is is there's so many two handed weapons now that could do three or more damage in one attack that need less reco- less less support than this. Is, is there a niche for this still? I really don't think there is. Um, I think maybe like up until a couple like last year when the the super good hammer came out, like you could try to make a case for it, and I think it would still be pretty challenging. Today with the hammer, like just I just yeah, the hammer's just way better, right? He- I mean, I, I, I feel like maybe putting the completely broken, uh, uh, what is wrong it, hammer. Cyclopean hammer? Yeah, Cyclopean yeah, that's hammer. The, that's the wrong on, hammer. On the, uh, like, like oh. on the mention is a little bit, like, unfair, because that card is very clearly broken. Everybody's expecting it for it to get nerfed and, like, tabooed. Um, it'll be sad when it happens, but... As far as like lightning gun goes, the three MO is a huge structure. Like yeah. flamethrower can do a lot more damage in in one action than this can. It's like four, right, or, or five or something like that. Um, and you can spread it amongst things. It's like um, you've also got the holy spear if you're doing bless kind of stuff. Um, right. You've got the the butterfly butterfly blades or whatever they're called now. Um, so there's a lot of other options out there, and this doesn't really shine past any of those. I mean, we're kind of like kicking it when it's already down, just because, uh, like I said, people don't talk about it that much anymore, and like the Cyclopean Hammer is just like clearly better than it. But I think it we we had to bring it up just because, like, uh, I think that, like I said, this was kind of like the original card that people got mad about us, uh, got mad at us for talking right. about it. Yeah, uh, so we're almost at, we're almost out of time. I think this is definitely Binder Zone, right? Does everyone agreed? Yeah, I think we're judging. Straight for Binder Jail. Judging it Straight for Binder Jail. Yep. Stand, stand by uh, our opinion on oh it. Oh man, from, I have a should have had like a, in the other like a, room. I we should have had like I a police siren sound effect for this. I uh, ran out of time, giving myself time. I would have made a gavel sound effect, but I, I have a gavel in the other room. Oh uh, well, I just did. I just didn't think about it. All right, off to the binder with you, uh, lightning gun. Yeah, forever, forever. All right, Asterisk. Uh, next card for judgment is. Uh, shortcut. Uh, this is the level two version of Shortcut. It costs one. It is still a seeker event with a willpower, intellect, and agility icon. It's an insight and a tactic. Uh, it's fast. Play only during your turn. Attach to your location. Attach location gains. Free trigger. Exhaust shortcut. Move to a connecting location. Yeah. So I didn't realize this one was was a particularly like like contentious card. I, I kind of figured that everybody kind of was on the same wavelength and that everybody just thought this was good. 
Um, but apparently that's not the case. Apparently some people are, are much lower on it than I am. Um, and I think that's more coming from the, uh, the perspective of comparing it with its, its level zero counterpart, right? Oh, you mean the good shortcut? Is that what we're comparing it to? <laughs> yeah, we're comparing it to the baby shortcut. Okay, okay. The, yeah, I, I get it, I get it. Uh, yeah, I mean, Dane, Dane, you, you like this card a lot, and I, you've definitely, I've, I've seen you play it a lot. Uh, what's, I mean, what's the case for it? Like, like, when you upgrade from level 0 shortcut to level 2 shortcut, what's going through your mind? Like, oh, this is great, because blank, right? Yeah, so, level 2 short. I mean, level 2 shortcut does have a couple things that we definitely are going to be mentioning in that are not in its case. But, as far as things that are in its case, it is very, very good in the specific scenarios that it does really well in. And among those scenarios, or among among the campaigns that we've had, there are a lot of those scenarios that can pop up. Um, places where you have to like move back and forth between locations, right? Like thinking of like in the Clutches of Chaos, uh, for the greater good. Places where you kind of have one choke point that you kind of need to move back and forth between, or um, it's 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 much more of like a team oriented card in that you you're getting your your whole team. Like if you just drop it turn one or something like that on a really key place then you're getting your whole team a ton of free movement. And that's like similar uh, compared to other things like Pathfinder, comparing to other things like uh, the Guardian one that I keep con- for enough remembering the name of right now. <laughs> um, but it's, it just saves a lot of actions, and that's kind of why I like it a lot. Uh, yeah, I, I can see that. I mean, I, I think like there's definitely particular scenarios where there is like one place you can put this on where it will be pretty good. But I, I guess my, my evaluation of it is, like, uh, there aren't too many of those scenarios. Even in those scenarios, getting kind of full value out of it is still kind of a gamble. Like, it still depends on a lot of stuff going right. The thing about the level zero shortcut... Well, first, let, let me provide some very sophisticated math PhD analysis of the difference between these two cards. I would like to point out that shortcut level two costs infinity percent more resources than shortcut level zero. Like... <laughs> Cards that cost zero in this game are so good. It's so great when you can just play something for free and it doesn't cost you anything. It bums me out that the upgraded shortcut actually costs you money. So that's kind of a bummer. It also costs two XP. There's a ton of other stuff in Seeker that you want to spend XP on. Uh, but lastly, like I just think level zero shortcut is really great. You can already play it on other people. Um, you can just hold it in hand and save it for when you really need it. You can even play like two of them in the same turn, which you can kind of do with this, but once you've played it once, you kind of like... You can only activate it once per turn. Um, so level zero shortcut, I just I just really like. And with level zero shortcut, if you're kind of like cycling through your deck really fast, you just end up getting to reuse it all the time anyway, right? Like, so it's not like, you know, I think the idea is like level one shortcut, you get to use it a million times. And level zero shortcut, you only use it once. But in a secret deck, that's not really true. Level zero shortcut, you also get to use it a million times. I think that's assuming that the secret decks are like super optimized to draw through their deck. They games. are. Um, but not everybody's going to have a secret deck that can do that. <laughs> Some not? people are going to be playing that new permanent that increases your deck size by 15. Why Some people are going to be playing a 50-card Mandy deck. Who are these you know what I mean? Things? So like, <laughs> so these are these are kind of arguments in Shortcut 2's can favor I, where I you play it once. Some advice for them? <laughs> and you don't have to worry about like have to, you know, speeding through your deck. Um, the other thing to note in, in kind of Shortcut 2's favor is that uh, once it's down, once you play it during your turn, anybody can activate it on any anybody's turn, right? Whereas shortcut zero, and I think that that's just kind of like a very vanilla, uh, you know, th- case for shortcut two. In that, 
you can't play this on somebody else's turn if it's level zero version. Um, so, like, if there's something weird with enemies going on, they can just use it whenever they want. Assuming it's already down. Uh, I, I want to hear what Ben has to say about this, but first I want to share one final argument that I believe is like a death blow against Shortcut 2. Shortcut level zero has a full art promo card that we all have, which looks oh, awesome God. because the art is very cool. There is no full art promo in Shortcut level two. If you upgrade, you have to put that back in the binder and take out the uncool chump shortcut version that does not have a promo of it. That, that never feels good. Ben, what do you think? What are your thoughts? <laughs> Anyway, man. <laughs> I think Dan's made a pretty strong case. Uh, we did jump through a lot of hoops to get those shortcut promos. He did. Uh, <laughs> to fly. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I lean more towards Dan on this. Uh, I think shortcut 2 is like situational in that if you, you could pick a couple scenarios where it's like very good in um, and it can be helpful. I also think it might maybe loses a little value in terms of how much it contributes to the team with higher player counts because true it's it's less net movement for a player i don't know maybe that's maybe it's an insane math logic but uh i don't know it, it, i i agree that there's there's other things to spend experience on i think you can slot in maybe in a final scenario if you've already bought all your other key upgrades but shortcut zero is going to get most of the work done uh most of the time anyway Sounds like uh, sounds like we got a we so, got a final vote. Is that right? Final vote. Uh, so the final verdict is uh, binder fodder forever. Oh, Dane, I know that. Sorry, get, I know get out of here. here. Yeah, in the binder jail, gone forever. Yeah. Dane, never to be seen in a deck ever again. Yeah, Dane doesn't know, but we've told Harrison to uh, super glue that box closed after this podcast <laughs> and then bury it in the backyard. Yeah, we we uh, wanted to put like a little <laughs> slot into it, like a mailbox, so you can put cards in, but you can never take them out. That was the original idea. So, well, that's all right, Dane. I'm sure you'll find some other card to uh, yeah. to enjoy. Uh, speaking of, let's move on to Drawing Thin. Uh, this oh, is a Survivor Asset, level zero, cost zero, uh, with a willpower icon on it. And it's a talent reaction. When you initiate a skill test, exhaust Drawing Thin, increase the difficulty of this test by two, gain two resources, or draw one card. Uh, and we're evaluating the tabooed version, which has been chained to cost three experience now. It's been chained. It yeah, has been chained. What, is, what? Remember this card? Do you remember this card? That is what I'm going to say about this card. Dane, I still, Do you remember it? I still use this card in like every Survivor deck. I don't know. I don't know what you're oh, talking I, about. I never remember, play Survivors. Remember Barry. <laughs> Well, this is, I, I feel like the kind of conventional wisdom on this card is that it's incredibly good. And even the tabooed version is still incredibly good. Sounds like Ben is Ben is is still I'm, pro. Ben is still this card. card amazing. I've noticed that most people that I play with, other than you guys, are very anti me playing this card for some reason. I'm not sure why. I've noticed I, that too. I've noticed that by being one of those people. <laughs> um, well, Ben, do you want to do you want to make a case for uh, for drawing thin? I mean, you know, the, to some extent, maybe the case doesn't need to be made because everyone already likes it. But like, do you want to kind of outline the the case yeah, for it? I mean, the the case is it uh, survivors don't have too much economy. Uh, they also do have cheap charts, so maybe they don't need as much economy as other uh, classes. Oh yeah, cheap cards like Cunning Distraction, uh, you know, Trial by Fire. Yeah. Um, oh, did we read the card? I did read the card. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Um, sorry. So uh, this is a very a very good way to passively gain money or or cards. It just requires you to do a test. 
Uh, you don't even need to succeed the test. You actually get the cards of the money before you draw the chaos token. Um, and that's great. Uh, Savaru is already kind of like bobble around, either just failing the test they're doing anyway, uh, or having some nonsense to make them auto succeed at the test. Uh, they don't really have. A, I don't really find I willingly do any tests that I'm like at the middle ground where it's not going to be one of those two conditions. Because uh, I'm either trying to fail and, and do some fail by nonsense, uh, or get take heart to to somehow not draw the elder sign, um, or I have some blessed nonsense happening, or uh, I'm using like key of ease or, or some other nonsense that makes my my skill test so high, my skill value so high already that. I'll pass even if I bump this up to give myself some money or cards. So I think it's very good. So just just kind of to, to pose a question here to you, Ben, what kind of uh, tests do uh, you do you just kind of can you randomly take at any given time to to kind of ensure that this can happen, right? And why is this issue, card right? so great for the return to the circle undone? Well that I mean just to to build on that, like are you kind of evaluating this card assuming that you always can just kind of activate it for free with a test that you would do anyway? Right. Or are you kind of, is this more of a thing where like, yeah, you have to take an action to do some investigate that you're intending to fail, but you get this money or something, you know? I mean, that's a good point. Uh, often you, this gets to trigger for free because it's like something I do during the mythos phase, which tests don't care about passing or failing. Uh, or it might be like I, I trigger track shoes because I'm moving, I'm moving one location and I don't actually need to move a second location. I, bump up the track use test or something uh and sometimes it's like uh encounter cards that go in your threat zone that you've tested every every turn and you maybe don't care about getting rid of so there's a lot of scenarios where you can just trigger this and not care about it um i guess the downside is there are sometimes spooky tokens that are very very bad if you fail a test from drawing them and that, that's when you got to kind of weigh, do I trigger drawing thin? And you do. You do trigger drawing thin. So <laughs> the, the, the track shoes thing is especially funny because it is a really powerful interaction, but it's funny when you accidentally draw an elder sign and pass when you didn't want to and you have to keep moving. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the case against this is, so first off, I think there's characters who can put this card in their deck who, when I build those characters, I don't play it. Like Agnes mm, yes. and like Tommy, for instance, or even William Yorick, because... This card on its own, I think, is just not very good because I find that you don't consistently enough have ways to trigger it without just burning an action just to get money, which feels like not a great use of actions. Where it's really powerful is if you play a like survivor full-on fail system deck where you're trying to fail a lot of tests, but those decks are just bad, at least in like three or four player. Like we those are generally not they don't those don't have the juice for like you know, they, hard mode or whatever, usually, right? They have some niches, and, and there's Stella nonsense mm-hmm. you can do. I mean, like, I, like obviously, I would, the, I would play uh, this card in Stella, but I also, like, wouldn't play Stella if we were going to do, like, hard mode return to circle undone, you know? Mm. I, I, don't think you, I don't think you play this card or any survivor during any any kind of the circle undone ever. Yeah, that's, that's just my opinion. <laughs> but, yeah, that's, but, like, that's for any... Part two. It came out in... Didn't it come out in circle undone? And it was, like, immediately, yes, like... And it was like, this is not the campaign to play this card, you know? Yes. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it can be powerful in situations, but it's not... I don't think it's like a general purpose, amazing econ engine card. I think it's like a card that can be good in certain types of decks that kind of still have some limitations. Yeah. I think there was a time where, like, before it was tabooed, you just took this card. And it yeah, helped sure. kickstart yeah. your economy. There, there was no reason not to play it because, like, look at all the other level zero survivor cards, right? Like, and then look yeah. back at this. And then look at the other level zero survivor cards again. I like that it's so, free. <laughs> that's, that's good. 
Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you can you can play it with Dark Horse, which is kind of you know I'm sure like, like another reason why it's a community favorite. Um, but but as as far as kind of my opinion on it goes, it's just something ex- I, I have exactly Dan's experience where I'm usually playing a survivor that has access to other classes, so I'm playing their economy. Like if I'm playing Preston, it's Faustian bargain. If I'm playing yeah. like Wendy, it's Faustian bargain. Because you know, you, like they're just everybody else has options. Because if you play all the cards that combo with drawing thin in your deck, you have room for like nothing else, and then you just like can't actually do anything. You're only good at failing tests. Yeah. Uh, right. So we're well, we're out of time. It's, it's time for judgment. It sounds like you two are voting. I mean, it is. It is obviously kind of ridiculous to declare that this card goes into the binder forever, but that is kind of the rules that we set for ourselves. That is the standard, so, we, and we have I, to uphold it. Yes. Luckily, it's you, Dane's binder forever, not mine, so I can still <laughs> play it. But, you know, Dane, tragically, uh, never again will get to play Drawing Thin because they are being sealed away forever. That is the judgment. Farewell, Drawing Thin. Bye-bye, yeah. Drawing Thin. <laughs> yeah. Forever. I guess, I, I guess they can untaboo <laughs> it now, right? Hey. Yeah, maybe, yeah. All right, and then it'll um, come out, come out of the ground like a zombie. All right, next card. Uh, this is Faustian Bargain. This Faustian is a Bargain cost zero Whoa. rogue event. Uh, we've mentioned it before on the podcast. It has a willpower and intellect icon. It is a pact and cursed. As an additional cost to play, Faustian Bargain add two curse tokens to the chaos bag. Investors at your location gain a total of five resources. Distribute as you wish. So we we love this card, right? Mm-hmm. Like we all play this a lot. We love us their money. But is there? It, it sounds like do is there like a faction of people that kind of don't like this card as much as we do? Yes, uh, I. This is another card that like I play all the time. But once again, my friends are like, "What do you mean you had two curse tokens in the bag?" And I'm like, I, <laughs> right. I, don't, I, don't, <laughs> "I don't see the problem. I got five money." Uh, yeah, Dana, maybe you're a little more in tune with this with the, the curse token thoughts of the community. What do you think? Yeah, so so this was a card that uh, I just kind of brought up casually because it's just kind of the standard in my brain. You know, it's always just like I mean, if you're playing rogue, you're playing this card. Like, like there's no reason not auto to. auto include money right, card, right? Yeah. Smash it. You you got a 28 card yeah. rogue deck as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. But when I was kind of talking uh, to to a few friends who play this game a lot, um, you know, as much or more than we do. Um, they they were talking about how they they never even considered this card. Really? Um, and, and I think it's mostly because they play primarily on hard mode, sometimes on expert mode. And the way that the math works out of, for the bag is it's it's just not favorable if you already have minus fives that can just kind of like get you, even if you're up by four, um, that this card can just brutalize you in terms of, like, or, or just, just curses in general, right? Like, like Promise of Power is kind of in that same boat where I was talking with them as if, you know, 28 card mystic deck with two promises of powers and uh you know this this is the this is the logic i guess and and others also t- are terrified of curses in the back uh from what i've heard from like people talking about a card of the day on reddit and things like that so yeah i mean curses in standard are not are definitely not scary uh, i can understand a little bit more hard mode or, and definitely expert but i i guess the thought is like when we play hard mode or expert we're usually either like stacking our stats to ridiculous amounts uh so we're already trying to pass like because some of those hard experts you have to deal with like skulls that go to like minus eight or minus ten or some complete nonsense right so when you're playing hard expert you either are stacking really high or you're very specifically doing as few tests as possible um yeah and and the way the math usually works out is like 
either drawing a skull you fail anyway or you you know the chance of drawing a, a curse and a skull together is very very low right like i mean so i i can't speak to expert because i don't really play that very much but we do play a lot of hard mode like i would say that's the difficulty we play most often and yeah i would always just slam this card like it's I mean, I will say it, it obviously psychologically, it does get annoying sometimes when like someone else is playing it and, you know, they give you like a buck here and there. It's nice. But then like you, you have to worry about the curse tokens. You have to do like a little bit of extra math. If it's like a really important test, you can be like, oh, you just had to get that extra money, didn't you? But I mean, it's just a very efficient money card. Like, would you, you want to play cash instead of this, which like doesn't have symbols on it, only gives you three money. Like this is just, it's so worth it just to get this ratio of getting $5 for playing one card. Um the the two curse tokens which probably just kind of like disappear out of the bag on tests that you don't care about probably don't actually affect anything it's just it's a really small price to pay yeah and i think there's somebody out there somewhere who's done the statistics on this and that you know you have 16 17 tokens in the bag normally put two more in you've got 19 now right and then even if you draw one one of them right and it's a minus 2 yeah. and you're kind of prepared for for to be a plus 4 what are the chances then that you're going to get, you know, a minus three or worse? And that's like still, you've pr- got a pretty decent shot, right? Like it's yeah, some like, out of seven. Like just just remember that it's like it's a roll of the dice whether someone's going to draw the curse on a test that actually matters or doesn't. It's a roll of the dice on whether they're going to draw the test. Meaning, like, do you even care the outcome of the test? It's a roll of the dice whether or not the curse is going to happen when, like the the outcome of the test is in doubt whether or not like you actually have a chance to succeed or fail versus like almost definitely succeeding or almost definitely failing um and then if you really really need to pass something you can usually just like commit an extra card and even be safe from curses usually so like i yeah i just i just think getting five getting five money for free is just so good i mean like the level two hot streak isn't it like pay five and get ten or something or right and the level four one is three for ten this is so much better than that and it's level zero Right, like paying zero for five and dealing with two curse tokens is like massively, massively better than paying five and getting ten for yes, two XP. Hundred percent. If this were like two for two for seven or one yeah, for six, then, yeah, it would still it would still be good, but it would yeah. be a, it would have less in its court. I think the fact that you have to play exactly zero credits for this, and by credits I mean uh, space bucks. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah. By, by credits, you mean uh, digital cyber resources, right? Uh, right, right. Um, yeah. it, it's just wild. Um, and, so, uh, and and the art is cool. You got the scary devil guy there with the red gloves. Uh, and you get to say love, devil money. Would love would love a full art of this, obviously. That would be really cool. Oh, totally. If anyone's FFG is listening. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's a really solid card. Like this, this feels like the most, I understand people's objections to it, maybe for the playing expert or something, but this still feels to me like the most like absolute staple, put it in tons of decks cards out of everything for Minsmith, you know? Yeah, I'd agree. So, so are we, right. well, almost out of time. Are we all on team? This is, this is the one of the best cards in the game. This game, this card rocks. I think, uh, I think that sounds like we're voting best, best card right. in the game should go to every single deck forever. No yep, question. Sounds right. Yeah. Basically. Right. It's going in the uh, very comfy box of uh, all Hooray. the things that I can and love to play. <laughs> nice, nice. All right. Next card. card, which went in jail forever. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, so uh, the next card is uh, Ancient Covenant. Uh, this is a survivor asset, uh, no cost, uh, level two. It's Covenant and Blessed. It's a permanent. Limit one covenant per deck. Uh, 
reaction when an investigator location resolves a blessed token during a skill test exhaust ancient covenant do not reveal another token as part of this blessed tokens effect this uh, one uh this one really surprised me like we we talked about this when we reviewed it and we had no interest in it and i really hadn't thought about it at all since then but then i think one of you guys mentioned that like a lot of people actually really like this is that true yeah, a lot of people evaluate this as a way to just automatically pass tests when you want, uh, particularly when combined with other blessed tech where you throw a bunch of blessed tokens in the bag or um, have like favor of the sun to like have a couple uh, blessed tokens on hand at any time. Um, and I actually played this, uh, or sorry, I didn't play it, sorry, Harrison played it in our recent Windy uh, Parallel, oh, that's right. Parallel stream, which uh, people can catch on twitch still probably and also on our youtube channel uh that and it uh it seemed like it did some work um it definitely made it so because we were also playing very blessed heavy it made it so blessed token sort of did something in that you draw a blessed token and you can stop stop trying to do the test you don't have to worry about failing um as opposed to blessed tokens usually not doing anything because you for blessed tokens to do stuff you have to have cards that power them so this is this is the part of that tech and also i think it, you can use it on other investigators which can be nice um but it does it is definitely your lacking yeah your location it is definitely restricted just your location which is a downside there um but the way we were playing that scenario we were basically on top of each other the whole game so it was effectively in play for both of us and yeah, man, that's the case for it. It's a uh, on-demand uh, passing a test when you need to. I mean, I I would add to the case for it that the kind of opportunity cost of it is very low because it's a permanent, so it doesn't really. It's not like you have to draw it, and it competes with other cards you could put in your deck. And it's only two XP, and it's a survivor card. So, like, what else are you going to spend your XP on? Like, I I can imagine if I played a survivor for some reason, I can imagine taking this just because you run out of other stuff to spend XP on, maybe. But I still think this is, I don't think this really does a lot. And the the reason I would say is that if you draw a blessed token, aren't you almost definitely going to pass anyway? Like, unless unless you're really low, unless you're just really far behind on the test, like your ability is really low compared to the difficulty. So I want you to remember, Dan, the stat line and card pool of survivors. <laughs> oh, okay. I see. I see, what you, I see where you're going with this. And realize that Oof. it's it's a lot of survivors. Uh, if it's not like their primary stat, it can be kind of hard to pump up a stat consistently to pass tests when they need to. Yeah. Um, some of them. I mean that that's not an argument for this card being great. That's an argument for putting all the survivors in the binder forever. <laughs> um, I, 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 no, but, but but I mean okay, but 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 the point stands, right? It's like okay, you just drew a blessed token. So now uh, you can you can already like pass on a lot more tokens than you previously could probably right, and if this was if this, if this test like mattered to you at all like I thought the whole thing with survivors is that like it, you're okay with failing tests right or at least you can be, so like this is a, I'm trying to the scenario is like I care about this I care about the outcome of this test, I'm in a position to maybe pass it if I draw the right token already, and I just drew a blessed token. Do I need this additionally to like? make it even more likely that i that i pass like i i feel like that's a pretty narrow set of circumstances and if you don't have the favor of the sun it's kind of random right like you probably draw the blessed token on a test you don't even really need this for and if you're comboing it with the favor of the sun then you need to find that and play it and you can only that takes like charges or secrets right you can only use it a few times well it seals three of the tokens on it and then you you 
oh, yeah, choose yeah. to okay. draw them off of it instead of from the bag. And and on top of all of this, you need to have somebody actually putting blessed tokens in the bag too. So this is like a pretty complicated set of this is a pretty complicated engine you're building to just like maybe be able to pass a couple of tests, you know? So a couple more points kind of to that effect. The first is that survivors can put blesses in the bag uh, far easier than every other class, right? They've got keep faith, and they've got... um, I don't know if it cares about system. Um, You've you've got (laughs) a keep faith, and you've got uh, that one card that's really good in Tommy and Calvin that I don't remember the name. Spirit of Humanity. Mm. um, Where you take damage into horror, and you pump it full of two two blesses. I played this card in, in Tommy... And I got so many times where I just, I just, you know, auto passed things essentially. And I think what your point, Dan, uh, for it, where the opportunity cost is so low, this is honestly better than most of the other payoffs that that bless cards can give you. Like if you're just going for that's blesses, that's of course, like so. Well, sure, but like where when you're playing bless cards, there's no circumstance in which you do not play this if you have access to it, and. Uh, the the other part for this card is that um again like the opportunity cost you don't have to put it in your deck which is which is really great and amongst all of the covenants this is i think by far the best unless you're kind of in the ballpark of you want to play the blue covenant which puts curse or blesses back into the back so like this covenant being able to take some of that variance away being able to take some of that uh you know like maybe if you do have the favor of the Senna, you don't actually have to commit any of your cards. You can kind of build up your cards and strategically work around it. For me, is just it's it's pretty I, invaluable. I feel like this one's really hard because on the one hand, it belongs in the binder because if this card had never been printed, it wouldn't really make any difference. Like People would still pass tests at roughly the same rate. But on the other hand, it belongs in the great cards because, yeah, I think you there's a lot of decks that would take this because why not? It's a permanent and it only costs 2 XP. So like I don't think it, I don't think it does very much, but it also doesn't cost very much. I mean, I think if you have the engine set up, being able to like make it so you can pass an important test without having to commit a bunch of extra things because you've already set yourself up is good. I guess you could compare it against like Grotesque Statue, which we used to play all the time in Mystic because it was like, oh, this is a way to make it so I won't draw the auto fail and therefore we can pass yeah. the test by committing resources. I think this is a, a different way to think about it because it's like, oh, I've, I, you know, I have this passively. Once I play Flavor of the Sun, Flavor of the Sun is effectively three guaranteed successes on probably important tests and then you don't need to commit other resources to that test um which i think is a big factor there because uh, yeah maybe you can commit stuff so you're like oh yeah i'll pass and everything's about to fail but we're we're out of time but i want to say one last thing which is you guys reminded me of how bad survivor stat lines are remember <laughs> that you still have to be only two down from the test difficulty in order for this to be an auto pass right <laughs> otherwise you do have to commit stuff yeah then you have to commit something still uh they're not quite that bad are they those are some pretty bad stat lines uh, <laughs> I don't they, know. they usually have high will and high agility and then one of their yeah. other stats is the one they're actually trying to use proactively i mean so. i guess th- that question it doesn't scale with how bad the bag is like it's not harder an expert because it's just based on the base difficulty anyway we're, we're out of time i yeah. think i would still probably vote binder for this one but I, it's a weird one like i it sounds like maybe are you guys I, both on the other team or what do you think i, I think i would have used i Voted, would have voted Binder when we first evaluated it, but I've, I've come around on it. Uh, I think it's a strong pickup for uh, anyone that's running running the Bless stuff in Survivor, which is, is definitely strong. Well, okay. I, let's, let's, settle down, let's settle down a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I'd say the same thing. Um, I, I agree. It's a great card for Bless, for bless uh, builds.
Yeah, I, I, it is interesting to think about just how evaluation of permanence is so different from other cards because you don't have to draw them; they're just there. That does that does change things a lot. So, all right. Well, Ancient Covenant escapes the uh, binder jail for for today and uh, gets put in the comfy cards that Dane was gonna get to play somehow all right. against all odds. <laughs> <laughs> Which is another survivor card. Dan, yeah, not what we're talking about today, though. <laughs> yeah. All right. Up next is a Dan favorite. Uh, oh Monsters, man, <laughs> Monster Slayer Monster level Slayer. five. Uh, Hell yeah! One, cost one. It is a Guardian event. Has a combat and a wild icon on it. Uh, mm. It is a spirit. Fight if this attack succeeds against a non-elite enemy. Defeat that enemy. Oof! Oof! Man, that's love it. it. That's all it does. Love this guy. So, so what's the case go. for it, uh, Dan? Why do you like this card so much? Uh, Dane, do you remember when we played uh, Return to Circle Undone on the stream, and uh, we got to Before the Black Throne, and uh, and I said to you, hey, look at those purple spaghetti monsters with six health. Do you think you can maybe kill one of those for us? And you said, humiliatingly for you, you said, no, I cannot. I cannot no, no that's that. not what I said. I said, absolutely not. There is no way in hell that I can even touch one of those things. Do you remember? Yeah. Do you remember how embarrassing that was that you were like a blue guy and you, you, I pointed at that non-elite enemy and said like, that's really annoying. Can you get that out of the way so we can win the scenario? And you said, I don't know. Uh, I submit that if you had monster slayer five in your deck, you could have wrecked that guy. Like I know. I, 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 I like this card a lot because the the thing that you really want in like a blue deck and a combat deck is action compression. It's just being able to like, oh no, all four people drew enemies on this mythos phase. I am the only one that is really capable of dealing with it. I need to be so efficient. I need to be able to like kill all these things really fast so that it's not just you know bogging us down and delaying our progression through the scenario. And this is just like a lot of power in one action, right? You pick whatever the biggest non-elite thing that somebody just drew is. And in most hard scenarios, there is going to be some like five health enemy that is pretty nasty that you really need to kill and you can just immediately kill it if you can pass one test it's also kind of nice because if if it's like early in the game if you didn't draw one of your weapons for some reason off your mulligan this is kind of a substitute because like okay i'd rather have a weapon but even without a weapon i can still like kill something pretty easily if i need to while i'm waiting to find one uh the xp obviously is a lot five xp is a lot so i, I don't get this immediately in guardian decks but I would, lo- I would love to have one or two of these kind of getting into the last couple scenarios of the campaign, getting into the, like, Black Star's Rise, Before the Black Throne, those types of scenarios. I feel way better having, like, one or two of these in my deck. So what's the argument, uh, you know, for Monster Slayer versus something like Lightning Gun, right? Like, whereas Lightning Gun could, could essentially sometimes give you that value three times, or, or like a Flamethrower mm-hmm. could give you that value three times, or... A more recent card that kind of does combat this directly, uh, level five one two punch, which does five damage to something directly. So one t- yeah one two punch is definitely good. I mean I I think that uh, that like definitely competes with this card and maybe is better in some situations. But what I like about this is it kills anything like the apex strangle vine or the conglomeration of spheres like six health. Uh, inst- instant death, right? Like even the flamethrower one shot isn't enough to kill those, right? And and the flamethrower, or the lightning gun, those are things that you have to spend a lot of money to play. You need to like have them ready. You need to have an ammo ready. This is just if you have it in your hand, you can just play it. You can just kill things, and you and you can have a weapon too. You can have your like gun or sword or whatever for kind of smaller enemies. And then when there's a big enemy out, you use this. Um, I think that's pretty solid. But you're right that one two punch is like a pretty fair kind of like competitor against it. I think. I feel like a big downside of this card is it does not give you any bonus to actually succeeding at the fight test. So yeah, but you, you can just 
you can just think about your dead wife and just uh just boost your <laughs> combat up to whatever. What, but what if you're not playing Mark? Sorry, what? think about that. <laughs> <laughs> but but if I if, but if I'm playing if I'm fighting stuff, I would I would I would be playing Mark, right? But I mean, what if what if you did feel like playing Mark or you accidentally didn't buy Carcosa? What, sorry what <laughs> you're, you're, can you can you walk me through this a little bit can you can you i i just i'm not following you so um there's actually other characters in the game that can fight stuff other than mark but they Wait, don't what? they do not have wives that tragically died to you're, motivate them to fight harder sorry it, sorry if, if i understand correctly you're saying there are like other there's like other investigators that are like blue that are that are guardians that are not mark harrigan yeah there actually are there's there's like six or seven and not, um, besides bark harrigan even you're saying there are non-dog invest you're saying there are non-dog investigators who are not named bark harrigan yes I, I and one of them <laughs> one of them is actually on the on the art for uh, that that ben pulled up here who's actually also a decent choice for this card because uh he can pull up spirits it's nathaniel Cho. And uh, he gets extra damage, though it doesn't really do anything on this card. Oh, so so even it. so even non even non even non Mark Guardians can can use this card well. I rest my case if if they exist, which I'm still a little bit skeptical I, of. I feel like Nathaniel Shaw would never use this card, though. Like he, he could. Playing... I'm just, I'm just saying that he, he would be a good candidate for it but because he, he could be over a lot of things. He can play the level zero version that does three damage for this ability, which is like right generally. But even. Good. Even the upgraded version, yeah, like Dane said, he can find it with the boxing gloves. He also gets the bonus to use it with boxing gloves. And remember, you can only use his ability to do extra damage once per turn. So maybe with Nathaniel Cho, maybe you use a one-two punch to kill one enemy, and you use this to kill another enemy. Yes, that is also kind of a thing that you're you strategize in your in your Nathaniel turns. But I guess um, is this wor- is it worth five experience to kill one enemy in one action? Uh, it, it, well, it, with, it's like a, it's, it's like gravy, possibly right? needing it's, to commit stuff as well too. It's yeah. not like it's not in the first like fifteen experience that I would spend. I would get like beat cops and stuff first, but like at some point, definitely, right? Like it it is. It's not like a completely like I just have XP that I have nothing else valuable to do with, and I'm just going to spend it on random crap. It's not that. It is a, a good card that I think makes your deck better. But you're right. It's not like one of the first three or four things you're going to upgrade. Yeah, I mean the the two points against it, uh, you know, in the last couple seconds here. One is that it can't target elite enemies right which is yeah. which is a yeah. really big downside when well, you're comparing it to that one two punch yeah. um and the other is that uh it doesn't like again it doesn't give those combat stats so if we're not talking about the absolute best candidates for it who would be like you know mark and nathaniel if you're you know like roland or sister mary who's somebody who like who is not quite as good and can't get over that combat hump it would be harder for them to, to play this. And I think that that's kind of the perspective that a lot of people in the community have. And that, from what I've heard anyway, people just generally don't like this card because their perspective is that they can just get a shotgun and do this twice. Or they can get, like, you know, a flamethrower and do this four times or whatever. So I mean, how do we I, feel about it? I definitely disagree about the shotgun flamethrower thing, but I, I agree the card has limitations. I just, I don't think that, like, playing a big weapon is an automatic substitute for what this card gives you. All right, well, tragically, um, we have to make uh, one yep. decision, either best card ever or complete garbage. I vote uh, best card ever. Dane, what, what do you feel, Ben? Oh you god. Uh, well, I'll make you make this. I vote. I uh, I don't think it's best card ever. I think it has to be complete garbage. <laughs> so, Dane, what do you what do you think? What's your judgment? I have never bought this card ever <laughs> with any with any deck, and I, and it doesn't mean I don't like this card. It's just that I've always been like. Let's make big weapons happen, or let's make you know a lot of allies happen, or whatever. And for that reason, 
I think I'm going to have to say it's pure trash. Yeah, well, I got yeah, news for you, Dane. You never will ever get to play it now. Uh, so I hope you had no dreams of it. It's going to be, it's gonna be it. locked in your box. I mean, hey, what, what goes around comes around. I'm, I'm at peace with it. But I, I will say, I think I would, the only thing I want to I want to point out is you guys are basing this decision entirely on the possible existence of non-Mark Harrigan Guardian investigators, which I believe is still yet to be conclusively proven. <laughs> it's like when physicists say, like, oh, if dark matter or dark energy exists out here, like, theoretically, the universe could be the shape of a Taurus or something. Like, I mean, sure, man, I don't know, but nobody really knows, do they? <laughs> You know, <laughs> all right. Uh, next card. Uh, <laughs> jail forever. Yeah, yeah. jail forever. <laughs> all right. Next card is switch uh, switchblade level two. Uh, this is a rogue asset. Cost one. Uh, has a combat and agility icon. It's an item, weapon, melee, illicit. It is fast. Has action fight. You get plus two combat for this attack. If you succeed by two or more, this attack deals plus one damage. And it's been chained to cost one additional chained. experience. Uh, also, it takes up a hand slot. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I think we put this on here because we've never been, we were never really super impressed with this card. And I think when it got tabooed, we were very surprised. Um, Excuse me. Because, <laughs> I mean, it uh, didn't get tabooed very hard. It just got a little taboo, right? I mean, it, it made it cost three experience uh, for a weapon that. Does extra damage, but only if you succeed by two. So, like the plus two combat doesn't effectively do anything in our minds, right? <laughs> it just it just puts you at even, because uh, if you're using a weapon, you want to be doing plus one damage most of the time. That's, that's, that's like the whole point weapons. of a weapon. Yeah, but yeah, uh, I think this is a very popular card, is my understanding. Uh, Dane, are you in touch with the? What's your vibe on the the this use in the community? Paint, paint us a picture, Dane. Like, what kind of deck would like? use this card and like be really happy with it so i've heard from a lot of members of of the community i mean a lot i mean like three or four people who i've talked to once or twice (laughs) and uh from what i've heard from what the statistics are telling me is that a lot of people think this ranges from a very good rogue card to put in your deck if you're going to be doing a lot of combat to the best card for rogues to put in their combat deck no questions asked and Mm -hmm. so i did ask some questions and i did a little digging and it did get tabooed. I'm going to make a case for the card in that it is one of the least expensive like weapons in the game. Its opportunity cost to play is super, super low. You don't even have to have an action play. You don't even have to have it on the board before something engages you, which is fantastic, mm-hmm. right? That's like, you don't need to take an action to play it. It costs one resource, uh, you know, which is, again, infinity more than zero, but also <laughs> infinity less than six or five that's actually, or That's four. actually not true. <laughs> It's not, infin- okay. it's not Whatever. infinity less than those numbers. It's a, a large a large but measurable finite percentage less than those numbers. <laughs> it's that more than one. So that's a lot that it has going for it. And if you're somebody like Tony Morgan and exactly Tony Morgan, who has five combat, just like Mark, just like Nat, some of the best of the monster handlers in the game, he can do this pretty, pretty consistently, right? Like, he's going to be at a base 7, not to mention if he has Lonnie or Delilah helping him out. So, like, these kinds of things just make this card incredible as a pickup. However, if you are not Tony Morgan, the next highest combat in the rogue class is... 3, I yeah, think, with like skids, skids, and skids, and skids and Finn? Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. That, I mean, that's the answer That's the answer to the question I wanted to ask, which is, like, who are these green fighter people that we're talking about who are going to use this card? Like, Tony, sure, but everybody else, like, 
you need a little bit more you need like a real boost to your combat on your weapon to be able to hit stuff I you mean, know when this came out there was not like much support to actually make succeed by two work really well right uh but i mean cigarette case is all you really need for it to be great right but that doesn't help you actually succeed by two that's a benefit from it right oh Uh, i meant more like now there's actual cards that rogues have access to that they can like Uh, commit and make their stats high enough up so they can consistently succeed by two yeah are any of those cards really true like i mean they're, they're rogue cards and I, I know row cards in Dan's mind are not well, are not orange. And, so well, no, I mean, I mean like I, I mostly like I, I hope you're not talking about like daring maneuver or something because like that to me is like not a good enough card to like turn on this kind of strategy. But I forget which uh, but, but no, but to succeed by three to get an action card. No, that's 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 the like if you were going to succeed anyway, you play it fast and it increases your skill value by two. No, no that's terrible. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's that's what I was talking about. Uh, uh, I, like when you do the succeed by decks, you like run a bunch of cards that like give you some bonus, and also if you succeed by they give you a bonus to the test, and also if you succeed by you get some other bonus, like maybe opportunist or um, whatever card I, was was what's the card that gives you an extra action when you succeed? Um, oh, Derringer. No, oh, oh, quick, um, thinking. Quick, quick thinking. Quick, yeah. quick thinking. Like you stack up on those and you put them to tests, and then you pass by a lot and you get a bunch of extra benefits. I, and, I could yeah. almost, I could almost see playing it in Winnie because mm-hmm. you, you do like whenever you need to, you can just pass something by a lot by committing a bunch of cards. But at that point, it's like, is it really? How often am I going to be fighting as Winnie? Is it better? Could I just play a backstab instead or something? You know, and like just yeah. have a much have it be able to pass even more easily without having to like deal with combat and stuff i mean when you can easily swing hybrid or full, full clues or full combat i think so you know if you're doing a combat winnie or, or trying to do a combat rogue this is pretty solid uh, one thing we also didn't mention is it has no ammo so it has infinite right. uses and if you don't succeed by two you still do one damage which is yeah not, not as exciting but, but you get the combat buff but you get the combat buff to help you actually pass the test um and there are also a lot of like uh, odd health enemies so you might still need to attack twice as a rogue because you don't have beat cop or whatever (laughs) um i mean so so but that's but that's my question again is there are a lot of other green weapons though right like so this is this is at least okay but is does it compare to like the thompson or like the what's the other one like the mauser like there are other or or even something like time-worn brand if you're willing to spend a little bit more xp like how does this stack up against those yeah, so this is the thing I wanted to mention uh, kind of before we close out here. One thing is that, A, when this came out, there wasn't a lot of competition for it, right? Okay. Like, rogues, rogues, like, like skids had to rely on, like, the 45 automatic and machete. Whereas now, post-Winnie pack, there's a lot more support. And, you know, there's, like, kind of some reasons to maybe not take this card right away. Like, Mausers are very fun for me, and I think they're a good card, but I think they're not quite as good as Switchblade. Um, and... The other thing is that non or non um, rogues can take this, right? Like Leo Anderson yeah. can take this, and and it's pretty pretty okay. Mm-hmm. He puts him up to six. So last like, thing I want to say last thing to say really quick. It is really good that this is fast. That does rock. Yes. Um, but we we have we have to vote on this. I feel like I would still say it binder than this one, just because Dane loves Tony Morgan, and I don't think I've ever seen Dane play this in a Tony Morgan deck. <laughs> I don't think so, I've ever actually played it. If, if, if like the biggest Tony guy, and that's like the deck where you're supposed to play this card, isn't playing it, then how good can it really be? That's my thinking. I mean, maybe he was sleeping on it. That's that's what some of these cards are. Ones that maybe we were sleeping on. Well, maybe. Like maybe it's his entire bed is just uh, every copy of Switchblade he's gotten well, from his twenty. Okay, so so, so Dane, I, how how are you going to vote on this one? Add it. It's hard because I really do acknowledge that it does seem like a really good card for Tony. But just a good card for Tony. 
I think that a lot of other rogues, other than maybe Winnie, if she goes full combat, are going to really struggle with it. Um, and for that reason, I would say it belongs in the binder. Oof. Ooh, well, I guess my vote doesn't matter then, so nobody will ever know it. Throw it in the binder, Dane. No, that's so, not how it works. That's how it works. Yeah. No, you still have to vote. I have, I have to write a dissenting opinion, I guess, uh, for if, the record. Only if, you, only if you actually do dissent. And also in like the next 20 seconds. <laughs> you got to be on the record, Ben. This is journalism. This is what journalism looks like. I, I've seen this card do some work in my friends that like Rogalot's decks. Like they, they, the opportune cost is good. Uh, it's very cheap to play. And they're already running a bunch of nonsense to boost their combat or otherwise boost their skills. So they usually get the benefit from it and they don't have to worry about ammo. Uh, I think it might actually be good. But Dane will never find out because it's uh, going in his... <laughs> Going to the binder forever. All right, the away box. it goes. <laughs> so that is a judgment. It's the very well switchblade. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, next up, and maybe last because I don't remember the order we put these slides in, uh, is David Renfield. Uh, this is a Mystic asset. Uh, cost two. Uh, level zero. Has intellect icon. It's an ally and a patron. Um, much like our patrons, much uh, like you have. can become you go to <laughs> patreon.com slash Miskatonic university radio. Exactly. Thank you, dad. Uh, it's ability is while David Redfield has at least one doom on him, you get plus one willpower, uh, free trigger exhaust David Renfield. You may place one doom on David Renfield, gain one resource for each doom on David Renfield, uh, takes up the ally slot and he has two health and one sanity. Air Doctor Professor Major Lieutenant General Presidente <laughs> Magnifico David Renfield himself, the man, the, the 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 ultimate guy. Yeah. Now, now, real quick before we get into actually an analysis and the pros and cons, I want to provide a disclaimer here. It, David Renfield is is not here because we don't like him. I'm going to say that straight up. He's here because he exists, and he <laughs> must be heard. So and he's esteemed. He's a he's a human being with rights, and also he maybe wants the apocalypse to happen. Is maybe like the flavor of his card. <laughs> yes. Uh, so so, what do you think about David? He does pay you to get you closer to the apocalypse, right? Like that's <laughs> pretty much. Well, I think we should first say the reason that he's on this list of cards is because like we kind of joke about him a lot, and I think we all really like him. I don't think we ever see like anybody else talking about or playing this card. Is 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 that right, or am I like missing out on? Are there other Renfield heads out there? You know, Ren Renfair attendees. You know, uh, like I think Dane's most in tune with the the vibe on these cards. Dane, what what have you heard? I rarely have ever seen anybody mention Renfields, and like when I look at decks, sometimes I'll see him in them, but not all the time. Like sometimes it'll be Arcane Initius, and that's fine and good. But yeah. uh, this is Dr. David the Renfield, the yeah. <laughs> that we're well, talking exactly. about. I mean, right? even uh, I, I like him a lot. But I think recently I played a deck with him in it, and I was like, you know, this would have been better to have initiate so I could draw more cards. Like I don't think well, he's yeah. universally good. I think you put him in a deck where you need money, maybe, and then you I, have other ways to do the other important things. So this cards. is essentially every mystic deck. This is yeah. like kind of the problem. Like <laughs> yeah. mystics are great, except that they have no ways to draw cards or get money. It's kind of like the, <laughs> the take like, like mystics are actually good, but they definitely do not have a lot of options for either cards or money. And their main option for card draw, if you're playing enough spells is arcane initiate. Right. And their spell main option for money is this guy right here. Right. Yeah. So 
but but the thing is, he doesn't just give you money, right? He's also he's very cheap. He gives you a lot of money. He also gives you that will, which is pretty nice. Uh, if you're in hard mode, you, you you're five will mystic, or if you're in any mode and you're like a four will mystic, like boosting your will because that's the only stat you're using is really really good, right? Yeah. So. To me, and there's also, there's not that many ways to boost your will statically other than, like, Holy Rosary. That's, like, really the only other one. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that it, it boosts your, or it gives you a health, right? A health soak. Yeah. Which is not nothing. <laughs> I mean, he usually soaks one health, and then I am desperately trying to find a way to kill him by taking him taking a damage uh, well, before, and, before the agenda advances, which so is the scary part, right? I think that's kind of why he's worth debating here, is because it's not that he's, like... The best card ever, although that is kind of what we're arguing because it's of how this format works. One of the two but options. Yes. It's more that, like, I think our perception is that a lot of people are kind of scared to play Mystics in general and to, to play this card in particular because they're very scared of cards that get Doom on them, right? Because obviously it's really bad if you screw this up and you end up making the agenda advance like three turns early. You pretty much just like lost the scenario in, in a lot of cases. It's really bad. Yeah. But there's a lot of decks where you can just afford to do this and it's not going to cause problems. Like if you're playing Dexter because of the way Dexter's abilities work, you can just pretty much always get rid of uh, David Renfield unless you draw Yastaroth at a really funny time. Uh, <laughs> like you can, pr- you can just pretty much always get rid of him. There's stuff you can do like, Oh, the agenda is yes. about to advance. I'm going to let an enemy hit me on enemy phase, or I'm going to like, you know, I know I only have another couple turns left, so I'm, I, I could t- put this damage and horror from a mythos phase treachery on me, but I'll put it on him instead. Um, and then you just play another one after that and you start getting even more money again. Like, yeah, like Agnes, like Dane mentioned, maybe you're playing like Forbidden Knowledge, you can use that to kill him. There's, if you have ways to reliably get rid of him, he's a really solid ally. Yeah, I think, I think, and in the absolute worst case scenario, either A, you're playing Moonlight Ritual, which don't play that card. Yeah, B, no. <laughs> is you have to, you have to like take your turn to go find a cultist to, to like smack him once or something, right? Like, yeah. and that's just kind of like shame on you, Mystic. You should have had a way to do this. But like, even still, yeah. I've played, I've played maybe 10, 11 campaigns alongside or playing with David Renfield. And I think I might've like, uh, made the, made the thing advance like once. Yeah. I've played Marie once and I made three agendas <laughs> advance prematurely. <laughs> you also did that with Carolyn, like the one time you tried playing book Carolyn with me, right? I'm just so, saying. Yeah. Statistics, right? Like we gotta we gotta we gotta think about the esteemed eschatologist yeah. here in terms of like how often and reliable I guess yeah. what is this opportunity I mean, cost? It's so, so low. So that's that's the thing is like I would not play this in every deck like I don't usually play this in Agnes because with Agnes I really want the Arcane Initiate for card draw because there's no other options and I don't need that much money but like in a Dexter deck I think you'd be crazy not to play this because you can already get your draw off cigarette case and the extra will just helps you trigger it and you can get rid of him for free whenever you want to so like I I think he's like an auto include for Dexter and I think he's pretty fine in a lot of other Mystic decks yeah, I think if you have an alternative to draw other than like Arcane Initiate yeah uh, then he's a good pickup uh like the book the, the uh scroll of prophecies yeah, or whatever I mean, he like he that. pays for himself effectively in two turns if you only put one doom on him and he starts giving you money back if you put two doom on him on the second turn uh it's just a matter of you need to have a way to deal with him and if he's, if, he's very funny you can troll people a lot by getting up to like four <laughs> doom with him and being like yeah we're probably fine we can last another turn you know yeah so yeah, the, the fact that he has one will or one one horror threshold is weird because you can ward something and kill exactly. him. Exactly. Yeah. So like, 
A lot of cool tricks. There, there are a lot mm-hmm. of ways for mystics to hurt themselves, and you know, Mr. David Renfield is there to jump like the <laughs> in the way of the spell backlash at just the, the right moment, you know? The classic we, we need a name for this gambit, this maneuver, but I feel like the classic outcome for Mr. David Renfield, uh PhD, MD, JD, is to like have be two doom away from the threshold with with a bunch of doom on him and be like okay as long as we don't draw an ancient evils we're good but i have a ward level two in hand and then if someone draws ancient evils you play ward two you kill david renfield and you prevent the doom from going off nice yeah it, it, it feels great when you do that and it's got to be the renfield maneuver right <laughs> anybody yeah, who does that send us an immediate email yeah. to comments at mur.fm and we will increment the Renfield yeah. maneuver counter. Yeah, we're gonna. Yeah, and, and you know what? I'll even tell you what the email should say. I'll dictate it. Dear Mesopotamic Universe Radio, thank you for telling me the correct opinions about all these cards. I've learned so much. You're all so wise. Thank you very much. The end. That's it. That's all you have to say. Correct is a little and much. You did mention the Renfield maneuver, Dan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, did, you also didn't mention it, that. That part is implied. You know. <laughs> All right, so vote best card ever. Binder best garbage. card ever. Best card. Why, why, why are you guys yeah, even hesitating? <laughs> yeah. It's great. It's great. Yeah. Uh, Dane, yeah. you get to, is, you get to hey, play in a hey. prestigious area. I have a follow up question for you, Dane. You're putting these cards in the uh, revised core set. Uh, is this are those cards you actually use in that box? Because you mentioned the starter decks were in there. Still a sound like uh, every every time I teach uh, new players the game, I open this box uh, and uh, so light some candles. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so okay, I, I thought... so so every time you teach a new player, now when you open the box, Mr. David Enfield's gonna be right there on top, at least until we do another one of these episodes. To teach them about eschatology. Okay. Who, who better? Right? Who knows more about who eschatology? Better? Yeah. Well, that's it. That was, in fact, the last card for uh, uh, the the judgment today. We might uh, we might do this again one of these days, though, because it was kind of fun. Yeah, totally, I think I think these are these are these kinds of cards are really interesting, and they come up all the time. They change in power a lot of the time, right? Like we were talking about drawing thin being something that you take all the time, which and now it's like because it's been tabooed. It's like, do we is this a card that's still worth taking, or like what what are people thinking about it now? Um, yeah, we could even revisit some of these same cards if something changes about them. That might be interesting. Totally. Yeah, definitely definitely uh, email us or talk to us on Discord or something if you find other cards. If you listen to us and you're like, why do these guys keep talking about this card when everyone else hates it or vice versa, let us know because we might we might do another episode like this. Yeah, we absolutely encourage you to uh, chat about us, about these picks and these debates. Talk with us on our Discord. If you're in a chat, type exclamation point Discord to get the uh, link to hop in. Uh, let us know what cards you want to see on trial and which ones you feel deserve a rehearing. Send us your thoughts at comments at mur.fm. Uh, to stay current on what we're doing, follow us on social networks, including Instagram and Twitch. Again, the links to all of these are at social.mur.fm. If you really enjoy what we do and want to get more involved, you can become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash Radio, or just leave us a nice review on your favorite podcast source. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, folks, for being here in the Twitch today. And we'll catch you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.